and welcome to Listen Hanai. Hi fam, how are y'all doing today? You know when I ask that, I actually wish I could hear everybody respond because um, I feel like the only way that we can respond is off my Instagram, which is why this particular podcast is dedicated to you because I threw out a question on my Instagram today asking my fam to ask me anything they want to know, any questions at all, and I want to be there for you. Joining me today is my girl, Marav. How you doing, babe? I'm doing great. Great. Glad to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So Marav and I love going through my fam's questions, and the reason why you all know I started this podcast, hopefully, is that I wanted to be more interactive with my fam. I think sometimes just with the talk show, you only kind of talk at the screen. Instagram, we can only do so much in the comments. But at least on my podcast, I can have a longer in-depth conversation with you, especially when I do this series, which is the Ask Me Anything. Let's go into my fam questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted, and thank you for following me on my Instagram, at the Genie Mai. Um, let's, I'm not going to say who this fan's name is, but we'll just call her Super Presh. We're going to call her Super Presh. And she asks, Jeannie, I just wanted to say thank you for being so open and vulnerable with sharing your stories. I'm happy to see you happy now. Love you. I love you too, babe. Thank you. If the opportunity would arise, will you get married again? Okay. So for anybody who's gone through divorce, I don't know if I... I I don't know if this was just me, but it was hands down one of the most excruciating things to go through because the whole time you're thinking you made a vow and you're backing out on it. You made a vow and you're canceling. You know what I mean? I felt guilty about myself. Um, And also in a divorce, it's not always amicable. It's not always both people agreeing to it. You know, in our case, you know, um, I wanted it more, to be honest with you. And... I was really, I saw red flags where I maybe shouldn't have made the decision to marry or I shouldn't have stayed in it for so long. And so that whole experience really took those two years of my time, which fam, you stood there with me through it when I just kind of needed to revisit myself and really dig deep and learn why I continue to make, let myself go through those experiences. And I remember I read this, this interview from The Rock. The Rock was married. I believe his wife still works within his business. He had kids with her. They divorced. What he quoted about why he waited so long to marry his current wife, Lauren, is because divorce took a toll on him and he needed some time to really recalibrate himself. And when he finally did, he said the entire time she was just mad supportive and stood by his side and say, look, we're together. So I don't need more than just that. So he took his time to finally get married. And I just I understood that. That was the first time I've ever read anything in Hollywood where another celebrity, you know, something happens to them and you just really feel for them. That's what it was with me. So to answer your question, I am open to get married again. It just really has to be right. And this time, and I will make this checklist for you guys, I'm going through a checklist that I personally made myself so that I know I made the right decision. And if anything were to happen, I know that I created a conversation with myself already if, when, all the above may happen. You fall out of love. You're no longer interested your job changes. Like I want to talk about all those things with my spouse so that you have almost like a plan if those things happen so that you remember that plan when your vows were intact, when your love was still there, not when things get hard and you guys don't even love each other anymore. Because when your feelings aren't there, you don't do the same things you thought you would. Yeah, and you don't really like, 
listen, marriage is beautiful, but it's not like the only way to prove your love for somebody. Right. Which is what going off of what the you said about The Rock, I found it here. So he he was married for 10 years and um, then began dating his current wife. Divorced. But, and then. Yeah, they were married for 10 years, divorced. And then when he, he began dating his current no. wife right after that. But they waited it, i mean look i guess over 10 years to get married and that doesn't mean that he didn't love her as much year one as he did year 10 you totally. know it just meant he knew that marriage was different than love absolutely i love that you said that too because i really learned the hard way and i say this on the real a lot too is you don't marry just for love you've there's got to be an actual plan in place there's got to be a vision because if you just marry for love the love can fade the gushiness, the attraction, even the sex can fade because you have access to each other and it becomes norm that you need something else that evolves you and keeps it changing and keeps it challenging at some times too. So that's really something I learned, but I hope I answered your question, Prash. But you, fam, obviously will hear about it when and if that happens. Okay, tell me the next question, Marav. What specific things did you do to love yourself this user asks and um they also say ask how did you figure out who you are okay let's let's call this user zelda because marav and i were talking about (laughs) zelda earlier and i actually think it's a cool name i actually know somebody named zelda she's three and a half but still i know and her parents are definitely fans of the game and they're definitely 90s babies yes right okay so What did I do to love myself? Okay, the first thing, the first thing I'm going to tell you right now, because when when you talk about loving yourself, when I went through it, and this was post-divorce, it was like the first day after, I was like, what the fuck? I was embarrassed. His parents hated me. I felt ashamed. I, I, my whole family was kind of like, oh man, I really thought you guys were happy, but now I realize you guys weren't happy. That's kind of weird. Like the whole thing just feels like a hoax and you feel embarrassed. Um, It took me some time, but the first thing I thought I was supposed to do was to start doing some spas, writing down in a journal, fucking telling myself I'm beautiful, like, I don't know, all that shit that you hear. But actually, that didn't help as much as the one thing that really started to make a turn for me was owning my truth. Owning that, yes, I did get married when I wasn't ready. Owning that, yes, I did at times put on a facade of us being happily married, but I wasn't, like, especially in public. Even on The Real, there were times where he would come on and we were fighting that week. But we're about to play a game and he's going to act my, like my husband, this guy that I talk about on Girl Chat all the time and put on a smile because we're about to perform and we go home and we're like barely talking. There were times that I absolutely thought, okay, I'm just going to be happy with this and and and, and we're going to try. But inside I knew that I was holding on to something that wasn't going to grow and change. And again, this is no blame on him. This is completely me. Me really settling or doing something that I knew I was I was not happy doing and holding on to that for 10 years. So that was my mistake. And I, I really had to own that until I owned it and really said, these are things that you did and you have to realize this in order to never do it again and also to learn who was that person that had to do that. Well, she was a people pleaser. She was afraid of saying no. She was afraid of hurting somebody else's feelings. She also was afraid of disappointing her family. And she also thought that this is what you're supposed to do in marriage and maybe it's a hump. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things. So once I own that, then the healing felt like, okay, 
you are only shitty of a person if you continue another, the next relationship that way. If you continue to make decisions like marriage when you're not ready. So owning that really helped me to start really learning my truth. And then when I did that, Zelda, I started seeing the other things about me that I also needed to fix. So I've learned that wounds, they keep bleeding. Wounds don't actually scar up and become scar tissue. They actually keep bleeding. But it's not until somebody triggers it do they kind of peel off the scab and then you get like a whole rush of blood that actually never healed. So for me, some of those wounds were, I definitely was a people pleaser. And maybe that came from my childhood trauma of molestation or just not wanting to displease somebody because I didn't know how to tell people the truth since I didn't think I would be believed. I don't know what it came from, and I'm still figuring that out, that out now. But I learned today I had to stop that people pleasing. That was really bad. I used to date guys who there were certain things about them that I knew weren't great, but I just kind of overlooked it and thought not everybody can be perfect. So pick the good things and focus on that. Don't focus on the bad things. I learned today, no, if there are things that really make me uncomfortable or make me have to bite back my tongue or not be completely myself, that's not the person for you. You have to be able to shine and radiate who you are and maybe fix and adjust some of the things that you could be better in. You know, there's always that. But if there's somebody, you know, like um, maybe you guys have super strong political differences. I can't overlook that. Like I, I want us to fight for the same thing or support the right, you know, causes or stand for the right things. I can't have us at a dinner table saying two different things if we're not at least able to agree on it. If it's going to cause a fight and later we drive home not being able to connect on it. So therefore, I avoid talking about politics altogether. That's a weird, estranged relationship. You should be able to talk about everything, you know, so. I learned that in order to self-love, I really had to own those truths about myself, go through some therapy, read some great books, like the books I've, I've introduced to you guys. Um, one of them is Good Self, Bad Self by Judy Smith. She's the nation's fixer. Good Self, Bad Self tells you the seven traits that people fall privy to before crisis happens. So I think self-awareness and self-ownership, once you get that down, self-love starts to happen. Because then you really cater to that wound. You love on it. You bandage it the right way. You help it to heal. And then you start seeing those traits about yourself that are really good. And it sounds like a version, another way of saying owning yourself is is not judging yourself anymore. Like you described how in your previous marriage, like so much of it was upholding this facade and upholding this image because you were judging yourself for, for not being how you are thought you were appearing to be. Yeah, but you kind of do have to judge yourself. You are the only person that can call yourself out and be like, you're being a little bitch about this situation. You need to pull your big girl panties up and you can handle this. Or you're playing the victim in this. This has happened to you several times and now you don't learn. Well, then you need to change things and stop interacting with people until you actually stop repeating these habits. So you do have to judge yourself, but you shouldn't shame yourself. I think that's what you're mm-hmm. saying. Don't shame yourself yes. for having gone through mistakes. Well, yeah, yes. And don't don't shame yourself from a perspective of judgment. Like you should be truthful with yourself. Yes. But you shouldn't cast a judgment on yourself that is in a negative light because you're not perfect, right? Right. right. And so you have to, in order to forgive yourself... You shouldn't approach your mistakes from a place of shame unless you killed someone. But mm-hmm. like really, you know, that I think for me personally, that's something I struggle with still. Yeah. Like is like how to how do I reflect on what I have done that was stupid, but without doing it in a way that is like I that you make myself. yourself feel oh, you know? okay. Wait, let's break that down mm-hmm. for a second. So let's say you did something really stupid. Let's say you once again chose a guy who who stole from you. I don't know. 
Is that too far-fetched? No, but we could say, once again, stole, uh, dated a loser. Dated a loser. Once There's a lot of those in the past. Okay. So you could sit there and, and just that whole Friday night be like, damn it, Marav, you can't get it together. Here you go again. You date this loser guy. This is the fourth one this year. Oh, my God. When are you going to get it? You're so stupid. Okay, those words are not going to help you. You're so stupid. Oh, my God. You did it again. These are all words that are degrading you, putting you down, belittling you. You know you're smarter than that. You know that you're valuable. You know there's only one Marav in seven point XX billion people. You know that there's anybody with your tenacity, your heart, your depth, your empath, your, like everything, right? So instead what you would say is, okay, let me just sit down and lay out my life for a second. In just one year, here's my fourth loser that I have dated. Let me take myself back to when I first met him. What was it that attracted me about him? Go to the facts. Don't focus on feelings. Feelings don't fucking help you. And I know we've even talked about this in personal work. Feelings are great to acknowledge, but feelings should draw you to the facts. You're upset, so stop everything and look at the facts. And then break down the facts to see what is worth having feelings over and what is something that you just have to swallow. So if the facts are somehow these losers are really charming in the beginning and they lure you, then you have to know, okay, I need to start asking some very specific questions to see if these these charming guys can really go past their looks or their gift of gab or whatever it may be. Like you've got to set some tools up so that you can weed away whatever it is that these losers have in the beginning that lure you, right? But this is not calling Marav a loser. In fact, this is calling you the smartest fucking brilliant sleuth ever to be able to get past what you've done to yourself. So once you go to facts, when you have knowledge, knowledge is power. You'll feel smarter by at least sitting there to acknowledge fourth loser in a row. Have a humorous little glass of wine about it. Wow. How did I get here? Let's start from the beginning. Go through the facts. Recognize your habits. Own your truth where you're like, damn, that guy was exactly like the other dude and then the dude before him. I should have seen that. And once you start actually piecing together what it is that you saw and you did, that's not only when you can stop your habit, but that's when you feel stronger about yourself having learned to decode it. Because if, if you're just looking at fourth loser, oh my God, I got duped again. I'm a fucking loser. I'm a dork. I'm, I'm, I'm unlovable and I just can't see them. They just one-up me all the time. That's when you beat yourself down beneath the ground. Like there's no way for you to come up from that. So if I think for women, our power is our feelings to be able to understand and relate with people. But from the feelings, you need to go to the facts and start piecing it apart. What happened, where, why, and how? And then create your Marav intelligence to not let you happen again. Yeah, and to own your part in it, right? Yes. So like instead of calling them losers like I just did, be like, okay, they weren't good partners for me. Ah. And they may have been had flaws, but I had my own, including what put me, allowed me to stay with them. Right. That was part of my flaw. Yes. So that is, you know, what you would that is owning my truth about it right and like and 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 instead of making myself the victim being like he was so bad to me because he may have been but honestly there was i wasn't always great to him x y or z you know so that is i think the journey of self-love is what what i'm taking from you is being honest with yourself yes owning your truth mm -hmm. is going to save your fucking ass if there's one thing i want you to learn if there's one thing i want you to learn from listen honey it is own you before they do. If that ex calls you something and you internalize it and fault yourself, they've already owned something about you that you should know about yourself. If you're sympathetic and loving and you trust, then own that that's who you are and that power will not let other people feed off of it on you. If someone else says, you're a sucker, oh my God, you let everybody walk on you. Well, then they're, they're 
categorizing you, your gift in something else to put you down and you're not owning that truth about you, that no, that's actually power to have sympathy towards people and to feel for people. But when you let somebody else take that power from you, they can call it something else and immediately brain fuck you to think that it's something else when it really is your gift. Because they can tell you don't love yourself. Right, exactly. We got to take a break, but it's so good over here. Okay, when we come back, we have more questions from my fam. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We are going through my fam questions. I love this time of the month where I get to do Ask Me Anything, and I open the floor up to my fam because that was the whole point of this podcast is to be able to connect better with you. Barav, throw me another question from my DMs. Okay. So this one is from Batty, we're going to call her. She wants to know, have you ever felt like it was too late for you to chase your dreams? Or what do you do when you're afraid to chase your dreams? All right, Batty. It is never, ever, ever too late to complete your dreams or even start on them. I actually just read about a beautiful 80-year-old African-American woman who started going back to college to finish her studies. Um, I also know a mom who wasn't capable of having children anymore because she's 49 and she tried, but she wasn't able to have one. And instead, she was able to adopt the most beautiful twins from Ghana and is so thankful that she actually didn't have children because the twins met her needs perfectly when it comes to emotional connections. So when you have a dream that's a real fruitful dream that you're meant to live out, God will somehow bless you in some way so that you life connects the dots and you're able to serve that purpose. Especially if that dream is meant to bring some type of joy to either yourself, your family, or you know the life of somebody else around you. I personally also learned that not only is it never too late to chase your dreams, but your dreams change. I love communicating with people and I always thought that my daytime talk show with the girls was going to be like the one avenue I do that. Later on, as technology changed, now we have podcasts and we have YouTube channels and I have both. And I'm able to do a different type of entertainment on each one to connect with you out there because I love talking to my fam out there and I love connecting with women and people who are thirsting to evolve. So your dreams will change. I, I may not do this after a few years. I might be into writing books. I might do conferences. I might be, do school visits. But I know that my dream is to communicate with people and always offer some type of insight that also grows me while you grow as well. So dreams never are impossible to chase. And in fact, I find that, again, this is so cliche, but it's so true. It's the journey. It's the journey, dude. It's not finally when you're like, ah, I got there. Now what else? No, the whole journey you can't miss out on that because that's the part that cultivates you and grows you in such a way. Like even now as I do a podcast in, in, in my Hello Honey YouTube series, I wasn't as rehearsed about learning how to connect with people and how to be very specific about how I get there or the words I use to be able to relate with people. Also how to produce. How to produce segments on YouTube are very different from what you do in TV. So being able to create fun relatable content in a short time. I wouldn't have learned how to do that if I didn't go and chase these dreams to make it happen. So now I can do a short film. I can do a movie if I wanted. I could write one. You know, so these things are really important to learn in the process of reaching your dream. Well, I really like that you just said that that, that your dreams are always changing. Yes. Because it's like, well, and that you said you think you're going to get there. Like I remember saying that once to my stepmom. I was like, I feel like I'm not where I want to be yet. And she's like, well, here's the thing. You never are where you want like there's never a place that you end up in life and you're just like, okay, I'm here. Like, yeah. train, like by train, like leave the station. I'm right. sticking because here. Because by the time you're there, you've already actually advanced to wanting more things. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I like that your mom said that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Cool. So next question. What advice do you have? This is coming from, we'll call her 
21 Savage. Yes. What advice do you have for people who want to network but are not very good at initiating or keeping a conversation going with new people? Oh, my God. Is this me writing this? <laughs> Fuck, girl. This is me. This is me. I, I'm a super introvert, meaning I love time at home by myself. I love being in my own thoughts. I love being with small groups of people. I don't like networking. Oh, my God. The feeling of walking into a crowded room with a bunch of strangers who all kind of feel like they already know what they're doing. They already belong. They already have their own sets of friends. And you've got to go into swim into, you've got to swim into those sharks, find somebody to connect with and make the whole night feel like it'll go by. Hell. It's terrible. And I hate drinking just to drink. I hate drinking just to feel like I can get through the night better. That's an alcoholic. It's terrible. So still help yourself out to that drink. One is the good start. But I've found that if you have three key questions in your back pocket that are interesting, personable, and fun, you're able to actually open up a different type of dialogue with somebody that can be more memorable. So think about it. If you go to a networking party, what are the questions that you probably, like let's say a networking party in Hollywood. What are the common questions you think are surfacing in those conversations? What are you working on right now? Totally. <laughs> um, you know, uh, ask, tell me about like, or if people know you're in a relationship, they'll be like, oh, like congratulations on your new relationship. Tell me about it because they're nosy. Right, right. And because they, it's like when something is public knowledge, it's like, oh, it's easy to circle back to like what you're already in the headlines for instead yes. of being like, so like, how's your family? Or like, you know, somebody asked me recently, just as a interesting question, they're like, where were you? Like mentally a year ago like in this moment that's a good one marav mm -hmm. i would actually add that as a bonus question to mm -hmm. my list yeah and, and i think it's a good way to get out of your present moment head too yes like as a way to just be like hey we can both sort of step out of this room right now and not worry about like the schmoozy stuff but we can we can just be like so where were you a year ago people think that like like conversation is supposed to be like uh, really rehearsed and stuff, but good conversations usually are kind of silly and awkward and a little bit like, whoa, I never thought of that, yeah. you know? And Absolutely. So thinking outside the box is good for questions and making a, a situation at least less awkward. Yes, or obvious. Yeah. So one question I really like to ask in a networking party is I like to sidle up to somebody and you don't have to make it like, it's all about the approach too. Like, it's all about, you know, not walking to a group of people. Hey, guys, what are you talking about? You know, like, you don't want to just all of a sudden be boastful or, or seem like you, you, you um, are taking attention away from somebody. But I find that if you just side, if you just idle up to somebody, sidle up to somebody. What's I think the sidle up is the... Is it? Saddle up? Saddle up? Oh my God. So if you just walk the fuck up next to somebody and you're just kind of like, okay, if you could be anywhere in the world instead of here, where would you be? Sidled up is correct. Thanks, okay. Annalise. Thank you. Like the voice of God. If you ask that question, I get answered every time. In fact, I remember I was standing next to Martin Scorsese and I knew who he was, but I had nothing to talk to him. I didn't want to about, about obviously film directing. Like I just didn't want to talk about that. I didn't want to talk about how much I loved his films. I wanted to just talk to Martin in his fucking innovative, amazing quirky brain on his own and so when I asked him that question we launched into an hour and 15 minute conversation where he actually shunt, told other people to go while I was talking to him like people actually came up to him and was like hey I want to tell you I love your film he's like excuse me I'm in a conversation and he proceeded to tell me about like 
different places he had heard, like the Seven Wonders of the World, but there was actually like 11 and, and that one of them he wanted to shoot in. And he didn't know that I knew he was Martin Scorsese. And it was just a really fun conversation. Fun fact, if you meet a celebrity, it's actually better if you don't first-handedly tell them you know who they are. I mean, it's really cool if you also want to say like, hey, you know, Sylvester Stallone, I love your work. You're so great. Or it was so cool. You really moved me in this movie. You could do that. But the problem is as soon as you go that approach with the celebrity, they immediately ID you as fan. And you can't really get farther than that once you're a fan. Because under fan comes, are you a stalker? Are you going to follow me around? Can I be relaxed around you? Especially in the day of cameras and pictures and things like that. Are you going to expect something of me? So it just comes with too many unknowns that are common for fans that I would rather just ask a celebrity a very random, thoughtfully curious question and that allows them to put their guard down and just answer as a regular person rather than already knowing you recognize them as who they are. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. I think think that like when you have a lot of fame – maybe the one thing you want is to just feel normal, yeah. you know? And yes. so when somebody treats you like normal, you, it's a breath of fresh air probably because you're so used to always being like people staring or asking for an autograph or or treating you like you're some superhuman just because everybody knows who you are. Yes, absolutely. And also at networking parties, I love that you started out with, you know, what are you working on? Everybody always talks about what you do. Nobody talks about who you are. Mm-hmm. Or what you love to do, like your passion, you know? So I think one really important thing is to not talk about work at networking parties. Actually ask, like, what excites you on a day off nowadays? Like, what do you love to do on a day off? Something really easy and tangible for anybody to answer is really important. So my whole point is to be genuine and to not be so targeted on work at a networking event, not be so targeted on who are you and what can you can do for me because those things are so common and that's what everybody dreads there. So actually be the person who cares to get into more thoughtful conversation. Okay, we have time for one more question. Um, this follower of yours who we will call Cat, because I love cats and I have my reasons. She says, I have a note in my phone called Read Honey with all the books recommendations oh, that you I love give. That. Oh, that's a good idea. Thus, this question, what life-changing books do I need? I'm obsessed with the school of life about emotional intelligence, but I want to know more. What will change me for the better? This is a common one. So I feel like if you already have a reading list in your phone, you already know about this. But I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's a great book for every person out there. Five Love Languages. The Five Love Languages is a life-changing book because you need to understand how to connect better with people and you need to understand how to connect better with yourself. Life is always better when you achieve connection and relationships, and that's how you advance in life. When you connect, you relate, and you know how to thank people along the way and make them feel loved. It's all about how you make people feel when it comes to the journey, right? So that's number one. The second book I would say that's life-changing would have to be The Difference Maker by John Maxwell. I'm obsessed with this book because... It teaches you how to serve people. At the end of the day, your job is not just to serve yourself. When you can place yourself in a position, it's kind of a mind trick, but it's genuine. If you can place yourself in a position where everything you do is meant to serve other people, even me as an entertainer, when I get up on screen for the real, I'm meant to say something that's going to move even just one person. If I come on this podcast, same thing, I hope to be able to touch one person. If I spend the day in my car with my brother all day, 
which can be really agonizing. Like, no, I'm going to actually look at how I can help him make the experience better. How can I can make it memorable for him? Not only do you find yourself enjoying your time better in what you have to do to go get yourself taken care of, but people around you make life so much more enjoyable when you can serve them or help them or usher them along as a team instead of just being out there on your own self. So The Difference Maker by John Maxwell is one of the best shaping books for me as a woman and as an entertainer. A second book I would have to put out there is Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. This book is fucking boss because every stage of our life, we face what I call new level, new devil. So when you get a new job, you're faced with new challenges. When you get into a new relationship, when you just have a kid, there are going to be new problems. But if your mind's not ready for it, it can really boggle you and, and really defeat you. So you have to war up your mind to be prepared for it. It's almost like if you have a big game, you already know to eat right, to detox, to get your right gear, get your shoes changed if the one shoe hurts you. Make sure that you keep your mind focused and positive by listening to the right empowering things, practice, and then that game day, you're ready. You should be like that for every day of your life. You never know tomorrow might be your big day, whether it's a new job opportunity, a relationship walks into your life. Or you might take a hit depression-wise and not know how to kind of bring yourself back to reality to know that everything's going to be okay. Battlefield of the Mind is a, is a way to prep your mind. And Joyce Meyer teaches you the key tools you need to do to build a steel wall around your mind so that you can conquer anything. And no matter what life hits you with, you've already got the tools in place to fight it. I love these sessions with my fam where I can answer your questions and speak directly to you. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, I want to say thank you so much. I'm a big fan of podcasts because I learned that my mind can be stimulated when I'm doing my makeup, when I'm cooking, when I'm, you know, playing with my friends' kids and I want them to all listen to something, even storybooks on audio. Podcast is such a dreamy world to be able to just educate yourself and entertain yourself without having to just be fixated on a television. And if you listen to my podcast, I really appreciate you for just subscribing. Please do share this with a friend. Comment below anything that you love, hate about this podcast. I want to read your comments because I love learning about it. And also go to my Instagram, follow me at the genie mind. Let me know what you think about my podcast too. I will continue doing these. Ask me anything because I love connecting with you guys. Thank you so much. I love you, honey. Have a great week. Bye.